So we continue, John uh, chapter 13, we left off with verse 30, Uh, now verses 31 through 38. When he, Judas, was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. A little bit of comment here. Judas, again, leaves. He's been filled with the devil. He is going to betray Jesus. And and Jesus says, I am now glorified. And it it, it almost seems strange to us, but the Bible says that Jesus considered himself lifted up on a cross. Being lifted up is glorified. And, And Jesus knew, again, with Judas leaving, that Everything was now rolling. Everything was in play. What he had come to do was about to happen very quickly. Continuing on in our text. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So I mentioned before that Monday, Thursday, it comes from the Latin word mandatum. And mandatum means command. And in our text tonight, we now come across the first command. And again, Judas has left. Jesus says, I will now be glorified. And then Jesus then tells his disciples, he calls them children, I'm not going to be here. Uh, I'm going where you cannot come right now. And then verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, Jesus says, I give you a new command. We hear that word new, and and to us, new means brand spanking new, right? That it didn't exist before. It now has come into existence. It, It has begun. It's a new thing, new in time. And it didn't exist before. Now, if we look at it that way, Jesus gives us a new command. Then we have to ask ourselves the question, have we heard this before? Love one another. And the answer is, yes, we have heard that before. Love one another is nothing new. 
In fact, we can go all the way back to Moses, 1,500 years before Jesus. And, and God, through Moses, several times basically said that. Tell the people, love each other. Love one another. We can look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Leviticus chapter 19. Just one example in Leviticus 19. God says through Moses, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love one another. So, how do we understand this then? If Jesus says, I give you a new command, but actually we find out it's nothing new, then is Jesus being honest with us? Is it really new? Or is he giving himself credit for something that was said before? Let's be very careful here. Jesus is God in the flesh. God does not deceive. God is 100% truthful in everything he says. So we're not saying, I'm not saying, that Jesus was deceiving his disciples at all. So how do we understand it then? A new command. When actually it's not a new command. Well, the answer is this. In the Greek language in which the Bible was written in the New Testament... There are two words that are both translated new. And and there is a word that that means new in essence. Brand spanking new. Didn't exist before. And and that Greek word that means that, the way we understand new, it's pronounced neos. And guess what? Jesus didn't use this word. Jesus didn't say, I give you a, a neos command. Instead, Jesus used a second word that's translated new, but it does not mean new in essence or or new in time or brand spanking new. And that word is kindness. And and kindness does not mean new in essence. It means new in quality. It means something that's, that's, that's old has now become fresh again. That's the word he used. So, for this evening, a new command I give you, love one another. And I want to look at three aspects in which he's giving us a fresh command. First of all, it's a new or fresh standard, how we are to love. Secondly, it's a new or fresh persistence, how long are we to love. And finally, it's a new or fresh motive. Why are we to love one another? So first first of all, it's a new or fresh standard. Verse 34, Jesus says, Love one another, how? As I have loved you. Do you see the freshness? As I have loved you. You've been with me three and a half years. I've demonstrated to you my love. Jesus is God in the flesh. They're, They're experiencing God's love. As I have loved you, that's the new standard. That's the fresh standard. I am directing you, I'm commanding you that you are to love one another. Now, for us to apply this, for us to actually put that kind of love into practice, we have to first of all know just how much God loves me, just how much God loves you. The Bible says that God's love for you is greater than, than the heavens are above the earth. 
How far are the heavens above the earth? We have some pretty smart people here that have studied the, the universe, and, and that's a long ways, isn't it? Even with modern technology and telescopes and, and that, we have no idea just how large the universe is. And God says, look at that measurement and realize that my love for you is greater than that distance. God tells us that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God's love, the extent of God's love, he's willing to be glorified on a cross in order to save us. And that ultimately will be the full extent of his love. Um, Jesus, though, he explains it this way. I want to go back to verses 1 through 5. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus says that was an act to show the extent of his love for them. He's going to love them to the end. And he does something that was very unusual, even to the disciples. He does something just unthinkable that that nobody does unless you're a slave. Jesus is very comfortable in his skin. He knows where he came from. He's divine. He is also fully human. He knows where he is going. He knows the victory that's there. He's the creator of the universe. And, and, and what he does, he takes, out, he takes off his outer coat. He wraps a towel around his waist. And as they came in for that Passover meal, instead of a slave or a lowly servant doing a lowly task of washing feet, they walk in and it's Jesus. And, and he, he says, put your feet in here. And he takes off the, their stinky sandals. And he, he very carefully washes the dirt and the grime, and the stink from their feet. And then he dries their feet with the towel. Now, again, um, normally this would be the lowest of servants. Even among servants, there was a hierarchy. And, and, and if you were, you had to be the really low servant to be stuck with washing people's feet. The disciples were common fishermen. But, but even they, they, they wouldn't think about washing each other's feet. And that's why Simon Peter reacted the way he did. Jesus, you're, you're not going to wash my feet. Have you seen the size of my feet, Jesus? You're not going to want to wash my feet. And then Jesus says to him, Simon, if I don't cleanse you, if I don't wash you, you have nothing to do with me. So Simon Peter says, oh, well, not just my feet, my entire body. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 that, you're going too far now. That's, I'm demonstrating my love for you by washing feet. It's, it's a cleansing for you. Now, it's interesting to me, again, slaves, and there, slaves were common in Jesus' day, 
the Roman Empire, 60% of the people were slaves. And usually it would just be the lowest of slaves or servants that would wash people's feet. And there's Jesus. He's unashamed to do this. There's something else that only slaves did. And that was be crucified. The Roman Empire crucified a lot of people. But the people that were mainly crucified were slaves. If you're a Roman citizen, if you did something that deserving death penalty, they'd put you to death, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't put you to death by crucifixion. So here's Jesus, again, willing to identify as a servant, a slave, washing their feet, and within 24 hours, he would be treated as a slave on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. So again, he, he, just, he displays this incredible love by washing their feet. Now, the, the Bible tells us that, that, that there are several different types of love. In the Greek language, there actually are seven different words that are translated love. C.S. Lewis, in his study of God's word, he said if you boil them down, the seven words that, that are translated love, there really are only two types of love. Um, the first type of love, the first type of love is need love. And basically, uh, C.S. Lewis described it as a bowl. That you have, you have a bowl, it's empty. So you realize you have some needs. Therefore, you go to other people and, and you love them, but you love them because you need something from them. Right? So it's conditional. I will love you, but I'm expecting you to love me in return. Right? Fill up my bowl. And there are many types of love that, that are need-based. Um, that's not the love that God has for us. God doesn't need anything from us. Now, the second type of love, according to C.S. Lewis, as he saw it, was gift love. Gift love. And it's just the opposite of need love. And he described it, instead of a bowl, it's a bowl turned upside down. A bowl upside down doesn't hold anything. And he described it as a, as a giving love, that like, like a spring, that, that it comes up and it just flows out. It just flows out to others. It's a giving love. That's the type of love that God has for you and me. That's the type of love that Jesus displayed to his disciples. A giving of himself to them, not expecting anything in return. Now, the Greek word for that highest type of love is agape, and it's a sacrificial love. Again, it's a love that, that sacrifices anything and everything, including self, for the other person. We're going to read it here in a few minutes, but Jesus is about to tell them, greater love, agape, has no one than this, than to lay down their life for their friends. You are my friends. So this giving love is sacrificial. It's also unconditional Naturally, we, we love those that we're attracted to. But agape love is loving the unlovable. Unconditionally. Again, that's the love that Jesus had for them. It's also an unshamed love. Again, unshamed, meaning that, that, that Jesus had no problem taking off his coat, wrapping a towel around his waist, and washing their feet. He didn't care because he knew who he was. And he knew where, where he was going. And again, he was willing to serve them in, in this way to, to demonstrate 
is love. Now, Jesus says, just as I have loved you, the new command, the fresh command, is that you are to love one another. Again, it's a fresh standard as Jesus loved us. So we are to love one another, being willing, even if necessary, to die for each other. Now, I mentioned before that, that John chapter 13 is just a small part of a much larger uh, discourse, 13, 14, 15, and 16. I want to read a portion of chapter 15 because it's the exact same wording. It's the exact same dialogue. Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I kept my Father's command and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy in you may be complete, may be in you, and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Now, now when, when, when we are to love each other as Jesus has loved us, what he doesn't mean by that is, okay, I've set the standard. Now, now, now you must muster up in yourself that same type of love for each other. That's not what he means. Because if that's what he means, we're, we're done. He had a perfect standard. He had a perfect love. I'm an imperfect person. How am I to live up to Jesus' perfect standard? And Jesus says, well, you don't do it by yourself. By yourself, you can do nothing. You're like the, the branch that has grapes on it that's been pulled off the grapevine. You're going to wither. However, I love you, and my love is in you, and you are in me. Remain in my love. Let my words remain in your heart. Be connected to me. I love you with God's love. And now I'm going back to heaven. And I'm commanding you to love each other as I have loved you. And people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. See how it works? God has chosen to use us during this time. It's a command to love each other. And it's, it's not by myself. It's empowered by my Lord. I put his type of love in the practice into everyday life. And, and that leads us to our, our, our third point or excuse me, second point, a new persistence. Again, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. It's a present imperative. What that means is that Jesus says, do this, he commands us to do it, and keep on doing it. 
Persist in it. Keep on persisting in loving one another. Now what happened just before this? Judas stopped loving Jesus. Judas stopped loving the other disciples. Judas was filled with the devil and went off to make plans to hand Jesus over to his enemies. So Jesus is saying, that guy's left. Don't be like him. He did not persist. You, however, persist, love, keep on loving one another to the end. Now we have Peter, and, and, and Peter's not getting this very quickly. Peter's somewhat miffed that, that Jesus tells them, um, I'm going, where I'm going, you cannot come. Peter's reaction, what do you mean? Where are you going? And why are you saying that I cannot come? I will follow you anywhere. I will lay my life down for you. And Peter's trying to operate in his own strength, right? Not Jesus' strength. And then Jesus, I love how he addresses this. Peter, will you really lay down your life for me? Peter, you're going to deny even knowing me three times before the rooster crows, crows twice. Now, now, the good news is this, is that Jesus knew Peter's weaknesses. He knew Peter's sins. But guess what? Jesus had a persistent love for Peter, as Jesus has a persistent love for us. And we know, and we see it in Scripture, that after the resurrection, Jesus has a one-on-one -on -time, one -on time with Peter and, and reinstates him as, as the disciple and, and a Christ follower. Now, now, finally, a new or fresh motive, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples... If you love one another. Again, Jesus is in heaven. We don't physically see him. He's returned to heaven. He's in full glory. He's conquered sin and death and the devil. He died on the cross. He rose on the third day. But yet we're still here. And Jesus says, but I'm with you. In fact, uh, the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son indwell us. And Jesus says the motive for you to love one another is so that other people may know that you're my disciples as you love one another. You know, the early church, the very early church, the, the first 300 years of Christianity, they were known for this. Local Christian congregation, extremely persecuted. But even those that persecuted them, they noticed something. These Christians have something that we don't have. They have a sacrificial, unconditional love for one another, for each other. They're willing to die for each other. And there are Roman historians who write about it and say, these people, we don't get their religion, but we know this, they love one another. And my question to you is this. How are we doing? How are you doing? How am I doing? Are we loving one another as Jesus loved us? It's one of our core values at Lamb of God. We say it anyway. Our mission, Lamb of God Lutheran, we are a beacon of God's truth and love, shining the, the, the light of Jesus upon the Albuquerque foothills of Phoenix. And as we do so, we reach up to God, connected to him, connected to his word, uh, praising him, worshiping him, reaching up to God, reaching out to our community with truth and love. Both are important. They're equally important. 
truth. Truth without love is, is hard and cold. Love without truth is meaningless. So a being in God's truth and love, we reach up to God, we reach out to our community with the gospel, but the third core value for us, reach across to each other. So my question is, are we reaching across to each other in love with the standard that Jesus has for each one of us? As I examine this and examine my own heart today and this week, I have failed. I have failed you. As I examine my own heart, I realize that there are, are, are seeds inside of my heart that, that rebel against God and his love. And there's unlove in my heart. My friends, we, we need to apply that to each of us. Look at our own heart. Again, we look at, God tells us to do something, it's the law. And I realize that I have fallen short. And if you're honest with yourself, you have as well. But the good news is, is that God has a way of dislodging unlove from our heart, any sin. The Bible says that if we are honest with him and honest with each other, confess our sins, God is faithful and just, will we'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It all goes back to the cross of Jesus Christ. At the cross, we know that, that, that love divine triumphed over divine wrath by divine sacrifice. Jesus, our Lord, willing to sacrifice himself on our behalf because he loved us that much. My friends, as we go back to the cross and we realize what God has done, the full extent of God's love, I realize that I'm forgiven of all my sins, and so are you. And, and that is our motive to go forward and to keep on putting Christ's type of love in practice. Isaac Watts, famous hymn writer, put it this way. Love so amazing, so divine, God's love for me, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Let's be refreshed tonight in Jesus Christ. Refreshed in his kind of love for us. And empowered by him, forgiven by him, let's put this type of love into practice. And he says, those that you are to love one another, he's talking to a group of Christians, he's talking to us, let's put this type of love into practice right here, right now. Amen. And now may the true peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, please stand.